0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit. It's another Nashville's Next. I am Benny, joined in the WDSD Sobieski Studios with Carly Rogers. Carly, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. We're excited to have you. I've wanted to have you on my show for a while. I'm like quietly one of your biggest fans. I love your music. I always like to get people's stories on the show. And you have an interesting one. What got you into music?
1: Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, I apologize about my
0: dog. Let's start with your dog. So you have uh, Willie here and he is Your, I guess, travel companion.
1: Yeah, he's my uh, security guard, my travel (laughs) companion, my snuggle buddy, my Wendy's chicken nuggets eater (laughs) companion, all the above. Yeah, he's my boy.
0: So, how old's Willie?
1: He just turned four. Um, I know we're talking about. He's so cute. Yeah he uh, he's really cool. He was a pound puppy. Um, Mm -hmm. the people that adopted him from the pound didn't take very great care of him, and it was somebody that I knew pretty personally. And they had another dog, too, that just wasn't being treated well. So his sister and I both were like, hey, we're going to take your dogs before we have to call the police. And he kind of just let us take them willingly. So what kind of
0: dog is he? Because he has an interesting, like, fur pattern and everything.
1: Yeah, actually, shout out, shameless plug, Instagram, at (laughs) Willie Road Dog. He's a, we don't, we really don't know. I've, honestly, I think he's a plot hound pit bull mix. Mm -hmm. But nobody knows what a plot hound is. So I always say Great Dane Pit Bull Mix because he kind of also looks like a Great Dane. So I really don't know. I just think he's a pit mix of some sort.
0: Willie is an absolutely adorable uh, puppy, four years old. And you, you you take him around everywhere.
1: Yeah, that's not, shameless plug, at Willie Road Dog Instagram. Yeah, he travels all over with me. His Instagram used to be traveling Willie, but the the family of the people that used to own him were like, hey, you know, we're really going to miss this dog. Um, whenever we come to town to visit because it was you know, their son's dog. So they're like, can you just post photos on social media so we can keep up with him? And I lost him at one point And the lady who found him was like, please always post photos of Willie. And so I was like, what better way than to start him his own Instagram page? So that way my social media is not cl- like cluttered with dog photos. And I'm mm-hmm. not some crazy psycho dog mom. Obviously. But you but, but you are. Secretly undercover low key. Yeah, definitely. Crazy dog <laughs> mom that makes his own Instagram. And I'm definitely one of those dog moms too who's like, Oh, today I'm at the park with mom and like captioning the photos <laughs> if he's typing it. Which clearly is like not the case. And I hate people that do that, especially with like babies and stuff, but I'm one of those people. Such a <laughs>
0: I mean, one day, technology is going to get advanced enough to where dogs will make their own Instagram posts. Oh, absolutely. Like, they'll wear a helmet or something, and it'll just, like, be able to...
1: Yeah, isn't there a movie called Up or something yes. like that? And he's or, got the, yeah, yep. The the, the talking collar. collar, yeah.
0: So, if Willie had a talking collar, what would he say?
1: You know, my co-writer, Matt Wynn, he co-wrote Excuse With Me. He always likes to think that Willie's voice is like Donald Glover, where he'd be like, <laughs> Hey, I'm Willie. Like, it's just, and I can't even do it low enough. But hey, I'm Willie. I know I can't wait to see the the visual footage of me doing that but
0: you, you should make a song in the voice of or like a song that's written by Willie or your assumption of what Willie would would write a song about.
1: That would be pretty cool cuz the things that he sees on the road with me. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> he puts up with a lot. This is a
0: family show after all. Of course. But you guys travel all over the place. Yeah. Like you are constantly driving. One of the things that we've talked, you know, a lot off air one of the things you tell me is, like, like driving is almost like your therapy. Like, you actually enjoy driving long distances.
1: Yeah, so, for one, it gives me an excuse not to talk to anybody. <laughs> um, because the, the thing is, though, is I'm such an extroverted introvert, which, like, I genuinely enjoy conversation almost to a fault. So then when I'm done with a conversation, I'm like, wow, that was just a 35-minute long conversation with, like, some it was just unnecessary you mm-hmm. know because one thing turns into another and i just i enjoy conversing so i mean even um, before the
0: show we were just talking about everything
1: yeah we've been in here for like an hour before we even got on the show <laughs> so you know but so that's for one thing for two i grew up in a motor home for the majority of the year mm-hmm. my dad drove long distances and he had no problem driving 12 hours in a class c motorhome by himself you know my mom wouldn't really drive she'd stay up too But, yeah, my parents, they literally road trip up and down the East Coast all the time to go see me, my brother, to go visit friends in Florida, to be home in Vermont. And so we just grew up, like, on the road anyway, and so I enjoy it. Like, I just, I feel like I'm back at home. But also, if I'm not driving, I'm the worst co-pilot. I sleep every (laughs) single time. You can ask my cousin Ian from Texas. He drove me, and as soon as he jumped in the driver's seat, I was out like a light. And he was like, wow. Is the worst road trip I've ever been a part of. I
0: feel like that's not a horrible companion. Like, I would be the companion that would be like, All right, let's play a game called I Spy and you'd be like, Okay, I'm gonna drive the car off the bridge now. Like that I'm that kind of companion. Gotcha. Where I'm, I'm too awake. I would rather have like someone that just falls asleep and just lets me focus. Yeah. Than like, someone put that your headphones
1: be... in, watch Netflix. I'm going to listen to my podcast over here. Yep, and...
0: Shameless plug. You want a shameless plug. The podcast Nashville's next on uh, the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcast. Get, um, get your podcast. Um, Got to gotta get your plugs Got to get in your podcast. So let's talk about your story, because yeah. you have a really interesting one. You didn't grow up really listening to country music.
1: No. So my dad had a couple of cassette tapes, like George Strait, Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson, Maybe a couple others, but not really a whole lot. And nobody else in the family, like my brother didn't enjoy country music until he was later in high school. My mom's more of like an Eagles rock and roll, like mm-hmm. 80s rock, 90s pop kind of music. So I really didn't listen to a whole lot of it by choice until I started watching Hannah Montana when I was like 11 or 12 and That's listening incredible. to the songs. It kind of like made sense. And then I started listening to Billy Ray Cyrus music, which my parents and my grandmother hated because... They weren't very big Billy Ray Cyrus fans, but I thought it was so cool because they had Montana. And then we started listening to the country music station and stuff. And it just the lyrics within the songs were just so much more accurate to what I was experiencing growing up in Vermont, which is a population of like 100. And (laughs) it's like it's not big at all. So that was kind of like what I was going through and growing up with, you know, with Chucks and tailgates and bonfires and stuff like that and and out riding whereas like with pop music and hip hop music which i listened to a lot of growing up from playing basketball it just it didn't hit like i was relating to 50 cent and many men are trying to <laughs> when i was like 8 years old meanwhile like anybody else in country music was saying exactly what i was going through mm-hmm. instead of just trying to like configure relations you know so but i've always been a big fan of story songs and country music is just like the biggest story collection of all time you know what I mean so
0: so what guided you into to this to, to, to getting into the music industry and becoming an artist
1: yeah so I began performing when I was super little I was always singing and stuff to the radio I began singing the national anthems when I was about five we learned it in the first grade and, and started singing it at like local baseball games and BMX races and parades and stuff once I got a little bit older I joined this rock band there was a college student at the local college Bennington College actually who wanted to start like a school of rock for middle school kids so he went to our middle school and said hey chorus teacher hey band teacher give me your four best musicians bass guitar drums and singing and because i want to join i want to start a band and so we played rock and roll stuff like we were playing like ozzy osbourne crazy train led zeppelin and van halen Mm -hmm. and Jimi hendrix and stuff like that which was really cool bon jovi when we were like 11 12 13 years old but that was all the music I also grew up listening to, too, with my mom and, and traveling and stuff. So that was when I started playing in a band. And then, um, obviously, country kind of started taking over at that point. But the guys in the band didn't really like country music. So I started doing my own thing with the guy who coordinated all of that whole school of rock. His name's Sam Clement. So he would play for me, and I would sing because I didn't know how to play guitar. I only played piano.
0: You listened to a lot of hip-hop growing up. And then, conveniently, you have this relationship with a country, kind of a hip hop or whatever the, the genre is. yeah. Upchurch, yeah. who's one of the like the the name in in the hip hop genre right now, how did that come about? Because that is that is huge.
1: Yeah, so I'm very fortunate to have a, a really really awesome friend um, named Taylor Phillips, and, and not to shamelessly plug him, but he's really like the center of my spider web in Nashville mm-hmm. um, as far as I've ever been concerned with connections. And
0: which is something we also talked about, which I'm just so fascinated with. Like you, you just we were just talking. You're like. Oh yeah, I babysat uh, Tyler Rich's dog, and I was like, "Wait, what? Like, how did that come about? You, you know all these artists?"
1: Yeah, so Taylor wrote a song called "Hurricane" by Luke Combs, and that was initially how I started getting connected Mm -hmm. within the music industry on the label side and the industry side of things in Nashville with Luke and Taylor and those guys, because Taylor and and Kane and Mm -hmm. and um, but then at Taylor's birthday party. Upchurch was there, and he introduced himself, or, well, Taylor introduced me. He was like, there's somebody I want you to meet. He's looking for a female artist. So he introduced me to Ryan kind of like in a headlock because it was his birthday party whatever, and walks me up in a headlock. He's like, Ryan, this is the girl I was telling you about. It's Carly. (laughs) And Ryan was like, what? And Taylor's like, the girl I was telling you about. Like, I've known her for four years. Like, she's just a really hard worker, and, you know, she sings and writes or whatever, and I think that you guys would, would mesh well together in the studio. And he was like, oh, nice to meet you. I'm Church. And I was like, your name's Church? <laughs> I was so rude. I was like, your name's Church? And he goes, I, yeah, I'm up Church. And I was like, your mother named you up Church? <laughs> and like, I wouldn't shake his hand. And he goes, no, she named me Ryan. I'm like, oh, well, hi, Ryan. I'm Carly. It's so nice to meet you. Like, now that we're here. And he kind of looked at Taylor. And Taylor was like, Carly, shut up. Like, don't act like that. But just, I was 19 and sassy and whatever so but you're uh,
0: real like that's the thing is that like well, yeah. a lot of a lot of artists would go be like oh my god Upchurch it's it's so nice to meet you
1: well you gotta understand too I was right on the cusp of like Vine when he really got famous and we talked about earlier I never really watched YouTube mm-hmm. like if I watched YouTube it was like lyrical videos and stuff like karaoke videos on YouTube to learn songs and mm-hmm. so I didn't really watch Upchurch on Vine or anything like that a couple of videos but him and Taylor Ray Hallbrook and Luke Combs like those three like I followed but then Vine crashed like six months after we got it and also which we is had, heartbreaking yeah we also had no cell phone service in vermont either so we could only use it i didn't have an ipod touch but until like that's 10th grade or whatever so you know stuff like that like i just never had those internet devices to be mm-hmm. able to connect to those things and then i never kept up so i didn't even know he did music so when taylor said studio i was like oh like you've got to, like i know that you kind of do like comedy bits or whatever on facebook like comedy studio okay I didn't think I was that funny but I mean I'll give it a shot and so we get in the studio and uh, a couple weeks later and um, he's like so what do you want to write and I was like I don't know like what are we doing and he was like well like what are you kind of in the mood for and I was like I don't know some cheese pizza like I, I just I didn't know I had no clue I'm not trying to be facetious or anything I just was so ignorant and um, he's like no like what kind of song do you want to write and I was like oh oh so that's what we're doing Okay, well, I got this idea called Step On It, which is the next song. It's coming out on his next album, mm-hmm. Ching Ching, finally, two years later. But um, but yeah, and then the next day we wrote Cowboy, and it just flowed. I mean, we wrote both of those songs probably within, we had all of them tracked, like start from scratch. Get acoustic guitar lick um, with Step On It and Cowboy, both started with Travis Tidwell playing acoustic guitar and then electric guitar, and then we had a bass or a beat underneath it. And then we did all the lyrics and melody and everything. And then Thomas Toner mixed and mastered it and, and everything, and it was all ready to go. So it's all been in the gate for the last two years. Wow! But it took like forty-five minutes. So everything just kind of like flowed out. We meshed really well, and have just stayed friends since and continue to work together and discuss the industry side of Nashville <laughs> together. And, yeah, it's
0: crazy. You won't hear that on this podcast, but uh, that that it's interesting to hear. Number one, how things can come together, and number two. I always like hearing the writing process that artists go through because sometimes it, like a song gets written in five minutes or there's that story of Sam Smith writing a song on the back of a napkin in like two minutes and it became a theme song for a James Bond movie.
1: And then Miranda Lambert rewriting The House That Built Me 29 times. Exactly. It took three years to finish writing it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it, it's that, that stuff is so fascinating to me because it's the creative process um, and everyone's got a different one. Yeah. Speaking of uh, being a little bit different, you have like a ton of tattoos.
1: Yeah. I've got five. You have five. Two of them my mom doesn't know about yet. (laughs) (laughs) She's about to find out. Well, if she doesn't, somebody posted a photo of me on Facebook. Uh Uh-oh. And it's just blatantly, like, these forearm tattoos are new, and both of them are just blatantly in the shot. She hasn't asked about them yet, so I don't... She liked the photos, but she didn't ask about them yet, so I don't know if she knows or not.
0: So I know you have one on your shoulder.
1: My chest, yeah.
0: Your chest area. And then I know you have one on your back, one on your forearm. So what's the the geographic locations for all these tattoos?
1: Yeah, so I've got... One on my chest, and that was my first one. I got it matching with my Nana. She turned 70. I turned 18. We got matching tattoos together for my grandfather. Um, <laughs> Which is awesome. Whole...
0: That's an awesome story that you and your grandma had that connection.
1: Yeah, actually. And it was funny because I went home for Christmas break my freshman year of college. I just turned 18. I sent my mom down because I'm, like, pretty open with my parents. Like, I would always, like, ask them before mm-hmm. I went out on dates and stuff when I was in high school. And that was about the only thing I asked permission for. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding making impulsive purchases on Amazon prime of like makeup and stuff. No, I'm just kidding. But so, yeah, so I sat her down and I was like, mom saved up the money. Nana and I are getting matching tattoos on Monday. I want you to join us. She was like, Oh really? She's like, I'm still paying your student loan bills and you're getting a tattoo. You think you saved up the money? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, long story short, she wasn't on board with it at first, but then I came home with it. And she's like, I actually like it. She's like, it's really cool. And it's got blue eyes, just like me and just like my grandfather. My grandfather and I have the same color eyes. So, And then I've got one on my back shoulder blade. All of these were done at the same tattoo place back home in Chasbury, Vermont. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the Vermont border with the Nashville skyline across the top, what the skyline used to look like before 30 buildings just popped up in the last three years. And then I've got one of my ribs. And it says, sing your heart out with a music note. Mm-hmm. And then I've got this one on my forearm, which says, no Nostroke Dio, which means we and ours to God. It's my Rogers family's coat of arms motto. Oh, that's cool. So it dates back all the way to the 1400s and stuff. Super cool. Our family was, like, the first family to ever build a homestead in the state of Vermont. So, like, in Rogers Raiders and stuff, we have family that dates all the way back to them. Wow. So, yeah, it's, like, really, really cool, like, war That's history. incredible
0: that you're that invested in your family's history.
1: Yeah, ever since I was a kid, I was bullied really bad as a kid. And even as a kid, I remember just being like, I'm a Rogers. Like, you don't talk to me that way. It's just <laughs> super proud and wicked proud of like. I
0: am royalty.
1: Well, no, not even that. It's just, and I don't know if I'd heard my dad say it or something. Because my mom and my brother are more passive mm-hmm. than my dad and me. I just always had this super pride, like sense of pride over my last name. Mm-hmm. And one day I might not have my last name anymore. So I figured I'd get it tattooed before. Yeah, I just always had this big sense of pride and wanted to know where I came from. And then the other one is uh, Three Feet. Which means um, it's kind of like three feet of water, which is a, like a baptism, you know, when mm-hmm. you're re in three feet of water. I got in a really bad car accident about three years ago, almost four years ago now. It's just kind of a reminder that, like, you know, when I got in that car accident, I was hanging out with a bad crowd. Mm-hmm. Not that I was doing anything bad. I wasn't doing, like, drugs or, like you know, doing anything horrible, but they just, it was they didn't just, they weren't a
0: crowd that cared about you.
1: It was exactly, it was a crowd of people that just didn't care about my safety, my well-being, and my prosperity. And, and I'm all about part prosperity and, and self self worth. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And to put my life in a dangerous position that they put my life in that night. Cause I had no control was just not really cool. And so at that point in 19, I was like, okay, listen, like you're doing it wrong. Let's start over from here mm-hmm. and move forward. Like today is like day one for the rest of your life. So like, Let's keep moving forward so I never got re-baptized but I consider that my baptismal moment so that
0: moment where you kind of shed your past life and moved into exactly. kind of a, new, a new direction what happened can you mind would you mind me asking what happened in your accident
1: yeah no not at all um so we were in Georgia and I was dating a guy at the time we went down to visit his family that was from there and we just his buddy was like oh I just got this new car it's really fast you want to go check check it out we got up to the top of Helen mountain which if anybody knows Helen Mountain it's all S-turns, all U-turns, L-turns, whatever. We got to the top. We whipped it around. And the guy in the driver's seat was like, you want to see what this thing's got? And all of us were like, no. No, we don't. Like, roads were slick. It just mm-hmm. rained. So we're like, no, please don't. And he was going to try to drift the S-turn. the Tires never caught. So we went off a bank. Like, the shoulder, there was no guardrails on the shoulder. It's like the one spot on the mountain that doesn't have a guardrail. Because there's like a 20-foot bank off the side of the guardrail. But then there's a drop-off. We were going so fast, we slid off the shoulder, off the bank, over the drop-off, and we went 300 feet down. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you survived? We all walked away from it. Oh, I got a my pretty bad Lord. concussion, but that was really it. I got poison ivy, too, because I was in my Crocs and, like, <laughs> white cutoff shorts. And- you fall 300 feet,
0: and your biggest concern is I had got poison ivy in my yeah. Crocs.
1: I literally, like, that was what? the thing. And I only got poison ivy from the knees down. By the grace of God, I was in a tank top everything. I only got poison ivy from the knees down.
0: No one else, like, got that hurt or anything? Nobody. That's incredible.
1: I mean, we all got shaken up. The blessing in all of it was that we all had our seatbelts on, and none of us were known to wear seatbelts very often. I had just kind of started getting onto the guy that I was dating about wearing a seatbelt because a couple months before, um, my brother's best friend, his name's Owen, passed away in a car accident, and he was going half the speed and went half the distance, not even. He only went down, like, a five-foot bank and was killed on impact. Rest in peace, Owen, but... So it was crazy. So I just got on to everybody about wearing their seatbelts and stuff. And then sure enough, I mean, that was what kept us all from... I mean, we all lost our phones. We couldn't call an ambulance, police, nothing. We had to walk back down the mountain.
0: You guys... So you get in an accident. You fall 300 feet off the side of a mountain.
1: And then we have to climb back up.
0: And then walk down it just to get help.
1: Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. And I was really concussed. I'm going to be honest. I don't really remember. Because I'm more of like... When it comes to fight or flight, I'm definitely more of like a react first. And then... like soak it all in, mm-hmm. essentially, for lack of a better term. And so we went down the mountain and um everybody was kind of in shock. And I was like, guys, like and I'm not trying to tune my own horn here, but this is just kinda of like the reality of it was like, we have to get out of here. Like, does anybody have a phone is everybody okay? Yep, yep, yep. Does anybody have a phone? No, no, no. Okay, well we gotta climb out of here. Like, we gotta go. And so everybody else was kind of in shock. The other girl that was in the car was like ninety pounds soaking wet, and she like couldn't move, so we kind of had to like take Terrence carrying her back up the mountain, and um, or back up the hill, and then once we got to the top of the mountain, we got to concrete and like street lights. I was like, okay, that just happened. Like, am I hurt? Like, is anything broken? Is my ankle bone sticking out of my foot? Like, cause you couldn't, we couldn't see anything. It's yeah. dark, so I was like, is anything broken? Am I cut up anywhere? Do I have any blood? Cause I was sweating, cause it was July in Georgia, so I was like, is this blood? Is it? Is it sweat? Whatever. So we checked ourselves. And then, and Willie was actually supposed to be with us, and we left him at the house, thank God, because he would have been gone.
0: That's great. No one broke a bone.
1: Nobody broke any bones. The
0: most severe injury was a concussion and poison ivy. I had a concussion
1: because I kept hitting the side of the car. Yeah, we were airborne. We hit about, I think, I remember counting hitting seven times. Like, I never saw anything. Like, the other three claimed that they saw their life flash before their eyes, and I didn't really have that experience. I just remember counting how many times... My side of the car hit because I was on the back passenger side, and we went off. And so every time we landed on that side of the car,
0: you felt it. That's incredible.
1: No airbags didn't deploy nothing. That is the shout that's... out to Mitsubishi Evo tens for not having deployable <laughs> airbags. <laughs>
0: That is a that is a crazy uh, insane story. Well, I do want to I do want to kind of pivot the conversation yep. and go towards your music because you make incredible music. And one hey. of my one of my favorite songs you you made is called "Say Something Slick," yeah. the song that you, you you came out with a few months ago. And I like at least I count I if there's if there's a hundred thousand plays in that song, I count for at least half of them. What went what into making that song?
1: Okay, so super fun story. Have we talked about this yet?
0: I don't know if we did.
1: Okay, so. I had and this is in an interview. It's documented on Google. Uh, I was on, I was at a writers round in Nashville. Have you ever heard of CJ Solar? He yeah. wrote Up Down by Morgan Wallen and yep. then Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, so CJ was playing at this writers round that I went to. I went to go watch another buddy of mine play, and he was on the same stage. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting there, and it's like from here to the window, away from the stage. I'm just leaning up against the bar, whatever. And, like, nobody else in the room. This is a, a venue that, like, it's not great to do writer's rounds in because people go there for the bar and the live music, but they're not paying attention to the live music. You know what I'm saying? So, it's,
0: they're going there to drink.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You grab dinner, hang out with friends and stuff because it's mm-hmm. that kind of venue, and they get a very busy crowd, but nobody's listening to the music that's being played. It's just background music. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting there enjoying the writer's round and, um, and watching my friend play or whatever. And CJ starts playing. I didn't know him at the time. I didn't recognize him or anything. He's one of those guys that when you play – or when he plays, he makes eye contact with somebody in the, in the crowd. So he makes eye contact or whatever, and he locks eyes. So he's like sitting there kind of scanning the room, and then he just locks eyes. And he sings he sings these songs, and he just keeps locking eyes. And then he kind of scans a <laughs> little bit, and then he comes right back to the same person, right? So I'm sitting there like, this guy better say something real slick if he's going to sit there and sing all these love songs and look right at my face for it. Like, this face right here <laughs> expects something slick to be said expect something slick to be said okay that was a tongue twister he gets off stage whatever doesn't say anything and by the end of the round it kind of like cleared out emptied out or whatever and so that was basically it and I ended up messaging him and being like hey I wrote this song about you Um, it's not really about you because you didn't end up saying anything it's about, the scenario. it's about the scenario and the potential scenario and he messaged back and he goes as songwriters we're the kings and queens of embellishments like no worries can't wait for it to come out Whatever. no response yet but, you know, I sent it to him, and hopefully he listened to it. <laughs> hopefully he liked it, but no response yet. That was really the story behind it. And I went into the writer's room with Katie Columbia and Matt Wynn, and we were working hard on this one song that we still haven't finished. And we got, like, kind of halfway through a verse, through a chorus that was, like, subpar with a really great hook. And mm-hmm. then, like, and it was four hours into the write, and I was like, wait, what if, because we're about to lose this writing, writer's room, what if, what do you guys think of this idea? Say something slick and i was like because we could either say it like say something slick as in like come over here and like let's fight or like say something slick as in like say something that's that is slick you know yeah. and um that's smooth and katie is like a romantic and she's like i like the say something smooth kind of kind of vibe yeah. and so we wrote it real quick in literally like less than 20 minutes like we just kind of vibe through it and i was like this is kind of my idea do, 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 do. matt and katie and i wrote, ran away with it and Wrote It in like 20 minutes, wow, and left it the way it was written.
0: That is incredible. Yeah. It's an amazing song, Say Something Slick, by Carly Rogers. And uh, you'll hear it here on 947 WTSD. You have another new song, yes, that you're working on. Do you want to tease that a little bit? You, you're working with someone from
1: Collective Soul, oh, yeah. So, uh, my friend Jesse Triplett, he uh, he plays guitar for Collective Soul. He's producing the song, and what's cool is like I do like working with different producers. Some Mm -hmm. people just stick with the same producer and it all sounds like the same producer, which is great. I think certain songs need certain sounds, though, and he feels the same way. And I posted basically what happened was I just went to Losers one night and and sat down, was eating dinner, kind of like as a woman hoping somebody would come in and be like, oh, like I noticed your hair. Like it's a nice new color because I just dyed it red. (laughs) So I was being bold and um, like the color that it is now. I was just kind of sitting there. I was like, maybe somebody will come in that I know, but like, if not, whatever, at least I'm getting dinner and a beer. And sure enough, there was a couple people that I knew that walked in. And these were people that like, I considered to be like two of my closest friends, really talented songwriters, artists, mm-hmm. whatever. And, and, uh, we had written quite a bit together after all the Upchurch stuff kind of came out. Um, talked about like playing shows together and, and doing all this stuff and, and did a lot of favors for, for this person specifically. And then, they walked in whatever and it was just one of those weird like I was like hey what's up and he gave me like a weird one-armed side side hug and I was like is everything okay he's like yeah I'm just yeah I'm good like what's up with you I was like not a lot like you know just came back from the salon and he was like oh I was like yeah hey I'm gonna be right back like do you mind watching this stuff real quick are you gonna be here for a second he was like yeah I'll be here for a minute so I was like okay cool I'm gonna use the restroom come back out and I don't wear makeup so it takes me like two seconds whatever come back out gone purse sitting there on the bar like, with my wallet in it, food sitting there, drinks sitting in it all by itself. I wasn't in there for very long, but if you weren't going to be there for a minute, then tell me that you're leaving, right? And so I kind of, like, I finished up what I was eating or whatever. I walked out, and they were still standing there on the sidewalk. And it was just weird, and maybe it was, like, coincidental. Maybe something happened, but just odd. And it kind of struck me as, like, oh, wow, like, you only wanted me when you needed me, and now you don't really need me at the moment because, you know, whatever. So awesome. Like, thanks. And that happens a lot in Nashville. It's not the first time somebody's mm-hmm. done that or acted like that. It's not going to be the last time, but I just went home. I was like, whatever, like I'm going home. That just put me in a sour mood. Went home, cracked open a bottle of whiskey and a jar of moonshine and drank a little bit and started writing this song. And I posted the acoustic version on YouTube, just Instagram, just raw, put it up there that night, drunk. Um, <laughs> incredibly, actually. You can tell on the YouTube video. Is this a story
0: of something positive coming out of being drunk? Yeah, I think
1: so. (laughs) Because honestly, and I'm not trying to hype it up too much, but like this is my favorite song I've ever written. Mm -hmm. People talk about like, you know, writing their most personal songs and stuff in two different places for me is definitely one of my like most favorite songs ever, like always will be. It's my first real personal song that I ever released. Mm -hmm. But this Need You song is just something that a lot of people need to hear for different reasons. Either A, they're using their friends whenever they need them and they're not bothering to check up on their friends when their friends need them or B, they're the person who is only being used when needed and need to know that they're not the only person being used when needed and therefore, yeah. you know, you're not alone in this. And so Jesse picked it up and was like, hey, and we've been close friends, we've been drinking buddies for a while, and I go in there and watch him play Golden Tea. Or he hit me up and was like, hey, I know that you work with X and Y and Z and whatever, and I don't want to, like, steal you from anybody else, but I heard that song, Need You, and I really, really, really want to produce it. I really want to be a play up, be a hand in it. So, like, dude, if you want it, like, you're the only one that's asked about it. So, let's, let's go. do it. Yeah, and so we did it, and it's really cool. And and Jesse nailed it. So.
0: And we're waiting for the release date.
1: We're waiting for the release date. It's still a mixing and mastering right now, but it's like done.
0: Wow. I just,
1: I'm waiting for Jesse to get off the road because they're on tour right now. So. Mm.
0: Well we're excited. I actually am a huge Collective Soul fan. I love Collective Souls. So that is really cool. And again, you're so connected with everyone out in Nashville.
1: Again, I uh thank Taylor <coughs> Phillips for a lot of all of this. <laughs> Seriously.
0: We gotta get him on the show sometime.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he'd be down.
0: I you know what? I we gotta we gotta Hit him up. Happen. So, what do you have coming up? So, talk about some shows. Um, we know you're going to be back here in October the 26th. Yep, uh, birthday Back weekend. Creek. Yeah, your birthday, birthday weekend. Dash. Yes, turning 23.
1: Nobody likes you when you're 23. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the theme, and that song is going to be played probably six times throughout the night. <laughs> I don't remember how long the set set is, but if it's an hour set, we'll only play it three times. But if it's a longer than an hour set, we'll play it like six times,
0: multiple times, just uh, for that
1: one line. <laughs>
0: let's talk. Obviously, we're we're doing this uh, in in June. Uh, May, late May, June. Um, what what do you have coming up uh, in terms of shows?
1: Yeah, so uh, I just got done playing some shows back home in Vermont, mm-hmm. which were awesome, and then I play CMA Fest. Um, I'm not on the CMA stage yet, but I have a showcase at um, Live Oak, which is right on Damumbrian Street Music Row. I'm at 8 p.m. on Saturday, opening for Tyler Rain. Oh, wow. Tyler Rain is this really awesome pop artist in Nashville. He's absolutely incredible. Shout out Tyler Rain. But yeah, he asked me to open for him, 30-minute set, 8 to 8.30. After that, I think I'm in Louisiana for a little bit, which is going to be absolutely incredible. I've never been to Louisiana, so I'm really excited. Oh, that's cool. And I'm still working on some shows down in Georgia, Florida, and Minnesota, getting back to Minnesota.
0: So you you literally travel all over the place. Yeah. Carly Carly Rogers is about I'm to be a crazy. nation I'm crazy. I don't
1: like being in one place for too long.
0: <laughs> well, we appreciate you swinging by Delaware. Yeah. Uh, before you go, though, I do want to play this game that I play with all of my contestants. Okay. Um, My contestants, my guests. Your contestants. Uh, contestant. Well, it's a game show. Five quick questions. All right, I'm gonna are put you on like the spot. Are like rapid fire? It, sometimes I have to answer
1: in less than five seconds.
0: Well, if okay, so it is rapid fire. However, it, if there's if you say an answer that I like, I'm like, what? We'll we'll talk about it for a little okay. bit. Okay. Okay. So we know that you are really into pizza. If pizza was not on, not in the world, what would be your next favorite food? Ribs. Ribs.
1: Ribs. <laughs>
0: you love barbecue. I
1: love. I love ribs got a big like wings. I will eat wings. Mm. I don't. Uh, I've perfected the art of eating ribs. Haven't perfected the art of eating wings. What's
0: yet. the art of eating ribs? All teeth. All te-
1: keeps the sauce <laughs> off the face. But like ribs, it's easier to do that. Whereas wings, they're all different shapes, and you kind of got to angle it to get certain ways. And, and also, too, uh, ribs come with their own little holders, so your hands don't get so <laughs> come dirty. With
0: own little holder.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, okay. So you said you played a lot of sports. You played soccer. BMX basketball what was your favorite sport that you played
1: Oh man I liked them all for different reasons BMX was a lot of fun traveled everywhere met so many people basketball was the longest sport that I ever played played all the way up through senior year of high school almost played in college I loved lacrosse though and I think it was because I only got a glimpse of it like mm-hmm. I played in 8th grade for one year got really good at it didn't play in senior or didn't play in high school until my senior year and like got good at it again by the end of the season, so mm-hmm. I wish I would stuck with lacrosse, but I hate track. I don't think there was anything else I really hated.
0: Oh, so you're like a full-blown, like, multi-sport athlete. Like, You've played everything.
1: Oh, yeah. I played baseball and softball and stuff. I played baseball first, tried softball, hated it. Couldn't grip the ball. I got little hands. <laughs> couldn't grip a softball, but baseball I couldn't hit, so.
0: Well, I, that was my problem in baseball, too. Coach uh, always said, uh, Piniella, if I push out of a chair, you wouldn't hit the floor. Yeah. So that was, uh, that, and Actually, so my baseball coach used to say, I couldn't tell you the last time you got a hit, but I could tell you the last time you got hit.
1: Yeah, that was my brother. Oh my God, my brother played baseball one year mm-hmm. and his friends were all like on the other teams and stuff because it was like and they, just pelt, they just pelted him? Every time he got up to bat. They <laughs> would, they, and he was like, hit me, like absolutely hit me. And one time he got hit a little too hard and he looked at his friend Tanner and was like, you Yeah, he was mad. I think they boxed over it in the driveway the like that night. I also boxed for a little bit.
0: You box? Oh my god, you did everything.
1: Yeah, I boxed in high school. Anger management. (laughs) (laughs) I was an angry kid.
0: So, what song do you have stuck in your head right now?
1: What kind of gone?
0: What kind of gone? By Chris Cagle. Okay.
1: Is she gone for good? Is she good and gone? Gone with the lump for it. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. I've had that song stuck in my head the past two weeks. Like, I don't know why. And I listened to it on the way up here, it's still stuck in my head. That's the first song I could think it's of. It's a good song. It's a classic.
0: Oh my god. That's
1: like the last one of like three songs that I know by Chris Kegel, but <laughs> <laughs> fantastic.
0: All right. So your what is your favorite movie?
1: I don't watch a lot of movies.
0: We can open up to T V show or
1: I love The Office. Oh, The Office is so good. I love stupid movies. So, like Step Brothers, um, The Other Guys, mm-hmm. anything with Will Ferrell or Mark Wahlberg. Ted, love that movie. Ted, Ted, um, Ted is funny. The Hangover, fantastic.
0: I mean, that's a classic.
1: Classic, absolutely.
0: Do you ever see Tommy Boy? No. Tommy, you'd like Tommy Boy. You'd like, Talk about stupid movies. You'd love Tommy Boy.
1: I also really love Shawshank Redemption, though. So it's either got to be like...
0: I mean, that's one of the greatest movies of all time, yeah. Shawshank Redemption.
1: Well, and then there's another movie, too, that I really love, and I can't think of the name of it, but I think it's um, Matt Damon stars in it, and it's like there's people behind the scenes, kind of like Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. that are controlling your every move or whatever. Oh. and he like meets this girl and wasn't supposed to because his like representative wasn't paying is that attention. The,
0: is That's not the born? it's not the born. ultimate, no. No, but um, the same guy. Yeah, same type of like concept where there's like, there's more to life than just, yeah. yeah.
1: And basically like they cross paths and they're not supposed to and they try to prevent the two of them from like crossing paths again but then Matt Damon realizes what's going on and they kind of try to men and black him where they blank his memory but then he still remembers her because he sees her again and they just keep fighting for this love thing but like they're not supposed to
0: they're not supposed to end up together, but yeah. they're trying. Oh, that's that's cool.
1: That's a cool movie too. I love concepts like that, but like never gotten to Harry Potter, or Star Wars, or anything like that. Really, it's not that I wouldn't watch them. I just am not like itching to mm-hmm. watch them. I mean,
0: it, it's more of a it's more of a timing thing. Like yeah. you have to be in the mood to watch like Star Wars.
1: I also have the attention span of a squirrel, <laughs> so um, anything that I can watch and not have to pay attention to, I'm good. <laughs> I don't have watch to pay it. Too much attention.
0: Anything I can watch and not pay attention to, I'm but good. Like the
1: office. I can fall asleep to it. I can start right where I left off three hours later. Mm-hmm. I can sit on my phone and do booking emails and stuff because I do all my stuff by myself. So the only time I watch TV is really when I'm doing this on the phone and coming That's up with like show yeah. flyers or emails and stuff like that. Because, yeah, I don't really get free time. I have,
0: like, such, like, respect for your guys' grind. It's incredible. But Yeah,
1: you should see my FaceTime, like, my iPhone, like, timer, like, how much screen time you get. It's, like... You probably don't feel very well, physically or mentally or emotionally, because you spend so much time on your phone. I'm like,
0: yep. Tell me what else is new. Yep. All right, final one. Okay. If Carly Rogers hit the lottery tomorrow, what are you doing? And and you know, this is past bills covering student loans if you still have them, um, things like that. If you, what's the first thing you're buying if you hit the lottery?
1: First thing I buy. Ah, oh, it's so tough because I don't win anything. Every time I get a scratch off ticket, it's like, "Oh, you want another ticket?" And then I get the same ticket, and then I lose. So <laughs> um, I never really thought about it. If I, I'd spend, I'd put half of it into like savings, um, savings and investments. Probably buy a house, um, buy the house that I'm looking at right now in Ashland City, and um, I don't know. Probably spend it on studio time. Maybe buy my parents' house just because I don't want them to sell it and it's on the market. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't want to have the upkeep of it because I don't live in Vermont anymore. You'd so buy
0: it, hold on to it for a couple months, and go, "Okay, I understand why they're selling it now." Well,
1: I'd be like, "Oh, if you guys want to keep it up, like I'll buy it from you." You know, <laughs> my parents have been incredibly gracious and super supportive of everything that I've ever done. So anything that I could do to pay them back, honestly, would if they wanted to take a vacation or or whatever, they've always wanted to live on a houseboat. Um, it'd be something like that. Basically, they want to sell all their businesses because they're entrepreneurs as well. Mm-hmm and um, they want to sell all their businesses as quick as they can and live on a houseboat and just take off. Do their thing. And so that's kind of, that's kind of what, you know, I'd want to help them with. But there's nothing really selfishly that I'd want. A new guitar,
0: like, hot tub.
1: I hate hot tubs. You hate hot, what? I hate hot tubs. What? I hate them. How can you hate a hot tub? I get too hot. Well, that's what
0: the point is. They're a hot tub. I hate them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like the point of a hot tub is I not to be feel cold. I like I'm in like a warm cesspool. <laughs> Like, especially when there's other people in it. Like, if it's my private hot tub and nobody ever steps foot in it, I could sit in it for, like, 10 minutes. But that's as only long ten, as I can. Only 10 minutes? That's as long as I can sit in a hot tub. Like, they're so relaxing. But I hate hot tubs. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, if if I were being selfish, I'd probably buy a new car. Okay. Um, definitely would buy a new car. There we point. go. All right. But um, I really wanted to ask um. Oh. Okay, so we're,
0: I, you're not talking about just like getting yourself like a, another a new SUV. A new or, SUV or something. You're talking about you want like an Aston an Aston Martin. An
1: Aston Martin. Yeah, or um more classic muscle cars. So I have a 68 Mustang that I love and I've got two um 94 95 Wranglers that are technically still my dad's but mm-hmm. um but I'd love to get more cars like that, more classics. I'd love to get a Bronco. Oh, would Like cool. a 90s style like military green bronco with the wood panel. Oh,
0: that would be so cool. Be insane. That would be insane. Well, Carly, we love having you on here. People are going to fall in love with you when they hear this interview because I hope it, so. you're you're impossible not to like. When people hear this, where can they follow you on social media?
1: So yeah, CarlyRogersMusic.com. You can find all of my social media there, all of my music there, my tour dates there, Instagram at Rogers Carly, Facebook, Carly Rogers Music, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music, YouTube, Spotify, tinder bumble e farmers only christian mingle black people meet there's probably like four others that i just haven't heard of yet but you know all the classics she's carly rogers <laughs> on Nashville's. carly thank you so at much at willie for your road time. dog <laughs>
0: oh my goodness thank you so much for your time <laughs>
1: <laughs> thanks for having me buddy with the lucky land slut, you can get lucky just about anywhere